morning. Let's stand all over the house this morning. For those that are here this church this morning, we welcome you. It's this Christmas time of year, so we're going to sing this morning, Angels We Have Heard on High. So let's worship the Lord together. Oh, 
be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. We're going to ask the ushers if they would at this time to make their way this morning. We're going to take up our morning tithes and offerings today. And if you're those of us that are, those of you that are joining online, we welcome you to church this morning. We're so glad to have you. Those that are in house today, we're so glad to have you as well. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just love you. We glorify you and magnify the name above every name. Lord, it is the season of celebration of the time you came to this earth, born as a baby, and reconcile us back to our Heavenly Father. And Lord, so we do decree and declare, Lord, in this joyous season that you are worthy of all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. Father, as we get ready to take up this morning's tithes and offerings, Lord, I pray that you would bless the gift and the giver. Bless those that have to give and those that may not have to give. And if there's someone here today who cannot give for whatever reason, we pray that at some point you would bless them to be able to give. And Lord, let everything that is taken today be for the advancement and the upbuilding of the kingdom of God. And we will forever give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray. The body of Christ said amen. Amen. Will you bring your tithes and offerings at this time during our meet and greet? God bless. find your way back to your seats at this time. So glad to have everyone in service with us today. I do want to make a couple just quick announcements. Uh, please don't forget your children today when you leave. Uh, we, we don't want to have to keep them if possible. Uh, 
kids' Christmas party is coming up. You should be getting some more information from your children's church directors and leaders. Uh, we also want to remind you tonight at 6 o'clock, some folks have been a little confused. There's not an actual worship service tonight. It is our church gathering for our Christmas party together. So we'll meet directly in the fellowship hall. If you're playing the gift exchange game with us like we always do, uh, you can bring that 5 to $10 gift somewhere in that window. It doesn't have to be extravagant. Please make sure it's already wrapped. We don't want to know what it is. If you don't bring one, that's fine. You don't, you know, you don't have to feel obligated to play. Uh, there'll be plenty of food. We just ask you to bring you. It's kind of like a snack night. Bring your favorite holiday treat, whether it's a dessert, whether it's a dish of some sort, it's open to anybody and everybody. You say, well, Pastor, I've only been here two weeks. It doesn't matter. I don't want to take the food home. Come and eat it. I don't want to have to find somebody to take it home. If you don't come and eat, it's going to go home with Brother Randy and Sister Carol. So you need to come eat, okay? And then when you go by to see them at their house, you're going to eat it again because that's what they're going to feed you, the leftovers, Okay. So make sure you come tonight and uh, be a part of it, be in the fellowship hall. We have some games and fun times. It's going to be fun. You can wear your Christmas colors or you can be like some people and you can just come natural looking. I don't care, but it's going to be a good time. Christmas Eve service this year at 5 p.m. We did this to give you time to get out, but we're going to have a candlelight communion Christmas Eve service. We're going to go through the story of Jesus uh, and his birth. It's going to be a festive time. And then also on Christmas Day, for one hour from 11 to 12, so you guys can get up, you can have your coffee and your, you know, favorite holiday, you know, snack foods or whatever. But for one hour, we're going to have a service uh, just to be a part of celebrating the life of Christ. To all our online guests uh, that uh, stream every week, we are so glad to have them. Can we just give a hand of welcome to all our online guests today? All of the information I just gave you is on the church website. You can certainly find out all of the information, or you can do the church app called Our Church, and then when you download that, just type in the name of Our Church. To all our guests today, let me say thank you for visiting us today and being with us. We hope you feel right at home and that you'll come again soon. If you need anything, please let some of our hospitality team members know. They're scattered throughout the building. They'll be in the back when service is over. You can certainly uh, coordinate with them today. This time, I'm going to ask those leading Scripture prayer to make their way. As they're making their way, let me say, next Sunday morning, we will be taking up a special offering for the Harvest uh, Festival offering. Every year, the Home for Children needs certain items to make their budget, and it's just easier for us to send money because they can buy it in bulk than it is for us to send you know, barbecue sauce individually or whatever they need. So next Sunday morning, after our tithes and offerings, we'll have the ushers come back towards the middle part or end of service to take up a special offering and send to them. Let me say to all of you that gave to the uh, retired ministers funds, the RMF fund, we gave over $1,000 to retired ministers in the state of South Carolina this year. So to God be the glory. God bless you this morning. Some scriptures from James chapter five. Uh, some scriptures uh, that really uh, touched my life as a as a young Christian. Uh, the church believed this; they practiced it, and uh, it's a good word. It's a good word for the church. It says in verse thirteen: "Is there any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over with him, 
anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. In verse 15, the Bible says, In the prayer of the faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Uh, with that being said, I'd like to go to the Lord in prayer and um, invite all of you to pray. Let's give the Lord thanks for what he's doing in our lives. Let us pray. Father, again, we're thankful. He's always, Lord. Father, we're thankful to be children of God. Father, I just pray, Lord, that you just bless and touch over this congregation today, Lord. Father, I pray that you would minister. And with every song that's sung, I pray, Lord, that it be heartfelt, it be real, Lord. It, that it be pleasing unto you, Lord. Father, touch every part of this service, we pray. And, Lord, we be careful to praise you and, and thank you for all that you do. Again, we thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. We're going to ask those that are leading our special song today if they'd come at this time. God bless you. Good morning, church. And all the trouble that's going out throughout this world. It's good to be alive today in this world with all the world the mess it's in right now. But I'm glad I'm here today. Thank the Lord.
Joe, appreciate that so much. Let's stand all over the house this morning. Again, let's just continue worshiping the Lord. This is an old Bill Gaither song written back in 1971. He wrote and said, what did you say was the baby's name? His name was Jesus. So let's declare that today. So we say, what did you say was the baby's name? His name is Jesus. What did you say was the baby's name? His name is Jesus. What did you say was the baby's name? His name is Jesus. King Jesus was that precious baby's name. Oh, what did you say was the baby's name now? What did you say was the baby's name? Oh, we declare his name is Jesus. What did you Born in Bethlehem. His name is Jesus. Who was the baby born in Bethlehem? His name is Jesus. Who was the baby born in Bethlehem? 
just sing this together. You were worthy of it all. You were worthy, Lord. You were worthy of it all. For from you are all things. To you are all things. You deserve the glory. For from you are all things. For from Time for from you are all things, for from you are all things, and to you are all things, you deserve the glory. Oh, can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Oh, Lord, we love you. Heavenly Father, Lord, we magnify the name above every name the name of Jesus. God, truly you are worthy of it all. God, that's what Christmas is all about. It's not about the light. It's not about the presence, but it's about the light of the world and God's most precious gift coming down from heaven and being brought to this sin-sickened world to give us hope of reconciliation back to the Father. God, we know that from you flows all things. Everything belongs to you. Everything, the cosmos of the heavenlies are all in the palm of your hand. The vast sum of this whole entire earth sits in the palm of your hand. You're worthy of it all. Father, we ask today that you speak to our hearts whether it's in a song, whether it's in a word, whether it's in a message, let us leave today with the hope of glory alive inside of us. And Father, we just submit this service, every song that's been sung, note that's been played, every scripture and prayer that's been offered, we commit them into the loving arms of Jesus Christ our Lord. And the message that's getting ready to be brought forth from your word, the holy pages of scripture, we commit that likewise into your hands as well. And to you we will give all the praise and the glory and the honor. In Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. And the body of Christ together said amen. 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 You may be seated in the presence of the Lord briefly. I'm going to ask you to go to the book of Isaiah, chapter 7. Isaiah, chapter 7, and then we'll quickly flip to Isaiah, chapter number Number 9 as well, Isaiah 7, Isaiah 9. We're still talking through a season, if you will, of our vision of Reach, Disciple, Pray, and everything that we do. We wanted to fall under that category, one person, family, community at a time. But it is Christmas. And every year I try to find a new way to tell the same story. You know, there's only so many ways Jesus got born. I mean, Mary is still the baby mama. Joseph is still the baby's bonus daddy. There still were shepherds. There still were wise men. Nobody really changes parts. There's not really, there's only so many ways you can creatively say shepherds brought sheep and sang to Jesus. 
you can spin it, Mary had a little lamb, any way you want to. But, I mean, there's only so many ways to come up with Christmas. But that doesn't mean the story still is not alive today. Just because it may not always have this creative spin. And so uh, after much prayer and deliberation with the Lord, a new twist. And the times that I have been here, I have preached the characters of Christmas. Talked about the different parts. Similar, well, it's not called that, but similar to that. I've preached the carols of Christmas. We did things like jingle bells and things like that, about the priest and the altar of incense and all of those things. And We've talked about Christmas chaos, how everybody's life got thrown upside down in the middle of Christmas. I mean, you talk about some Christmas chaos, your fiancé tells you she's pregnant and you're not the baby's daddy. That kind of throws some things up for a loop there for a minute. We're getting ready to go on the show called Mari, not go to Bethlehem. We're headed to get paternity tests at that point. The reality of it is we've talked about different things. But after praying and asking God, God, give me a, a fresh, maybe it's not even the right way to say it, but a fresh perspective of the Christmas story. Now, I know we're Protestant in nature, and the term Advent normally most people's mind automatically becomes negative and that's something liturgical churches do, Catholics or Methodists or Episcopal or whatever. But Advent has four major characters to it, or themes, and we'll talk about them. But I asked the Lord to give me a perspective, and this is not going to wow you because it didn't wow me. <laughs> it's like, really, God, that's all you got for me? Like, you can't give me a cool name. You can't give me... Something so when we come out of the gate, it's going to just, everybody's going to be like, I can't wait to go back next week. And he never gave it to me. Or either I wasn't listening, I don't know, but it didn't really get there. And so I apologize in advance for the title of our series because it's not impressive like Characters of Christmas or Christmas Chaos. But I just want to talk to you this year about having an eventful Christmas. An adventful Christmas. We all like adventures. Half of you wouldn't be South Carolina Gamecocks fans if you didn't like adventure because you never know what they're going to do next. You don't know if they win, they're going to lose. You don't even know if the team's going to show up. You don't know who. Somerville High School and Berkeley High School sometimes can beat them. I mean, you don't know what's going to happen to them. It's always an adventure as a Carolina fan. Right now, it's an adventure if you're a Clemson fan. You're on second-string quarterbacks just to win the championship right now. I mean, it's always an adventure wherever you go right now. If you don't believe it, go to Walmart. It's an adventure. Maybe y'all don't have that problem here in Monk's Corner, but on the south side of town where I live, Somerville, the other side of the tracks, it gets sketchy from time to time. Yesterday I had to go pick up something, and it sent me to North Charleston. I was on Rivers Avenue and went to that Walmart. I thought I went to another world. I didn't even know that was Walmart. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm in a foreign country. i got to get out of here. It was scary. I couldn't even carry my concealed weapons in there. I was nervous. I was, I was singing Amazing Grace trying to buy Christmas candy. I was, you know, it was, it was chaos. Everything's an adventure. But I don't want to talk about adventure in, 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 in the essence of that, but I want to key on the word advent. Advent. As you can see in the picture, there are four main candles of the Advent season. One's already lit tonight, today. And the culmination on Christmas Sunday, we'll finally light the last one, which will be the white one. Now here in a moment, I'll explain each one to you and where we're headed. But I want you, over the next four weeks, 
you ever hear what the pastor has to say, please listen to me carefully. Don't let the chaos and the busyness of, 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 of the Christmas, secularization of Christmas, overshadow the wonder of Christmas. A couple years ago, I preached a sermon called Christmas Treeology. And I have never looked at the Christmas tree the same again after that series. Because on a Christmas tree, you have lights, you have decorations, you have gifts. But Jesus came as the light of the world. He died on a wooden cross on a tree. All the ornate ornaments and all the gifts, the Bible tells us that He was God's gift to us. God gave His, His precious gift. How did God so love the world that He gave us His only Son? Now I, you know, I have a Christmas tree at my house. Every night I, when I turn those lights on, I sit there and I think, you know, after that series, I start thinking to myself, every time I turn those Christmas lights on, I don't look at it as a Christmas tree. I look at it as just a reminder to me what God did for me. Don't let the secularization of Christmas help you or, or allow you to lose the wonder of what Christmas is all about. It's not about your new jewelry. It's not about your new car. It's not about your new trinket or toy. Christmas has become secularized, but the point of Christmas is that God gave us His best. And now we're supposed to do everything we can to give Him the best of us. How do we do that? Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing. This is a reasonable act of worship. We give God us. That's all we give Him. So I want to talk to you a little bit about Advent. If you'd stand all over the house, we're only going to read a couple passages. It's like three verses of Scripture. Isaiah 7, 14. This is during a season of time where Israel is facing some turmoil and some tragedy. And Isaiah has been sent to a to the king, King Ahaz of of Judah, he is reigning, he's got a battle on his hands, the king of Israel and the kings of Syria are coming against him, he doesn't know what to do, and Isaiah goes to him and says, God's got this, and Isaiah asks King Ahaz a question, he says, God wants to know for what sign, what is it that you want him to show you to let you know he's with you, and Ahaz, he was a wise man, he says, I'm not going to question God. And so Isaiah said, that's fine. So since you don't want to question God, here's what God's going to do. He's not only going to give you a sign, He's going to make this sign transcend for the rest of the world to see. And here was what the sign was. Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you will call His name Emmanuel, or meaning God with us. Now look over at Isaiah 9 and verse 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. And upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this, meaning he'll do what he said he's going to do. So let's talk about the eventful Christmas. Heavenly Father, to the best of my ability, help me to teach your people the word of God. Let us not just be hearers of the word, but doers there likewise. Lead God, protect us in everything that we say. 
in everything that we do. And Father, I pray, Lord, that this word would be transformational in all of our hearts and lives. We will forever give you the praise and the glory and honor. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Advent has four major themes. The four major themes are hope. It's the first one, love and or faith. It all depends on how you look at different Advent uh, uh, kits or packets. But love and faith go together. So you have hope, you have faith and love kind of sandwiched together. You have joy and you have peace. It's the four major cornerstones or foundational blocks of the Advent season. And so today... We're going to talk about the first one. You see only one candle is lit, and every week we'll add another one to it. We want to discuss hope. Now, I wish I could say to you, I've got some wow, catchy phrase to get you to remember this sermon for the rest of your life. Probably is not going to do that, but I do believe if you give me a few moments of your time, and you really hear what this story is all about that we're going to share this morning You may not remember the title. You may not even remember most of the message, but you'll leave here remembering who it was about and what it was about. I simply just want to title it this, Hope Has Come. I read to you in our reading today a story. And the last line said, The Lord will perform this. Meaning he prophesied it's going to happen. It's going to come about going to come about. In the early centuries of the church, Advent almost certainly arose as a result of a fixed date on, of, on the Christmas calendar. In this way, Advent took on significance the same way that Lent took on around the Easter. Both were preparations of a sacred season. By the fourth century, there is written evidence that Advent was found in Spain and Europe, and at that time they were called Hispania and Gaul. But that region of the world was already beginning this thing that we know as the Advent. Probably the earliest official mention of Advent comes from the Council of Saragossa in AD 380. They were there to meet the agnostic-inspired movement called Priscillism. The heresy was to create this form of dualism, darkness versus light, body versus soul and spirit, and to help the incarnation become alive and reality and combat heresy. The council was not committed on a certain date on a calendar, but they set it around the December timeline. History has taught us that the Latin word adventus, that's also translated in the Greek as parousia, literally focuses on both the incarnate Christ coming as a baby and the second coming of him coming as a triumphant king. Advent was designed for us to remember he came as a baby, but he'll return as a king. I'm here to tell somebody this morning he won't come back some little tiny cute bundle of joy that's wrapped up in swaddling clothes. But the next time he will come wrapped up, but it'll be with a sash with king of kings and lord of lords, alpha and omega, a scepter in his hand, a crown on his head, riding a white horse. He won't come back looking like he's non-threatening, but he'll come back to rule over this world. He came as a baby, but he's coming back as a king, church. That's what he's coming back for. It's a double meaning focuses on both the resurrection and second coming. Most people have 
over the time adopted this idea of Advent through using Advent wreaths or the hanging of the greens or some will have certain candles that they'll light to celebrate the season of Advent. We're discussing the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, both in his incarnality as well as his soon divinity and return as Christ as King. We await his glory. We're all in that season. We aren't there when he was born. And even if we die, the good thing about it is nobody, there's a lot of people in this world never got to be there and experience his birth. But we all are going to experience his return. And I'm here to tell you I can't help it, but something about me excites me that as much as it would have been nice to go to the, to the backside of a barn, to a stable, and see God's, ba- God's son, the precious lamb of God in a baby-type form. Babies are so cute. I love babies. I love holding babies. Well, that is good, but babies are only so much. They can't take care of themselves. They can only do so much. They go to the ba- They really are dependent on everything. They need to be changed. They need to be coddled. They need to be nursed. They need to be held. They can't do anything for themselves. As much as that would have been great to hold the King of Kings, that Lord of Lords, at that manger on that on that Christmas morn. I'm telling you, I'm more excited that I may not have saw him as the baby, but every eye will see, every ear will hear. I will watch him come when Gabriel blows the trumpet. You think Brother Mike can play a trumpet? You hadn't heard nothing till when Gabriel blows the trumpet. That'll be a sound like you've never heard come from heaven's portals. And when that sound, oh, when the trumpet of God shall sound and the dead in Christ shall rise. I'm going to see the eastern skies peel back and I'm going to see a man sitting on a white horse on one thigh says king of kings on the other side says lord of lords and he'll be bearing a sword and a scepter in his hand and he'll have a crown on his head and I'm telling you I may not saw him in the manger but I'm going to see him in glory I'm going to see him in heaven I'm going to see him as king when he returns I'll see him return So the four seasons or the four themes of Advent, hope, faith or love, joy and peace. So today we want to talk about this word hope. Many prophecies were foretold about Christ in the Old Testament. In fact, scholars have counted and calculated that Jesus fulfilled over 300 prophecies in his lifetime alone. Some before he was even born, just by the prophetic utterance of being carried by Mary in the womb. You see, in this story I read to you today, Israel was facing war and turmoil. They were looking for an answer. The prophets gave a prophetic decree about the coming of a Messiah called the Anointed One. In the passage in which we read, it was just one of many prophecies that had been foretold about this Messiah. So today, the first... Each candle has a different, even though they have a different theme, they represent something. The the hope candle is also in the Advent season called the prophet's candle. Next week when we talk about faith and love, that's called the Bethlehem candle. It's about the travail and the journey to Bethlehem. We start talking about the joy. We're going to be lighting the, the pink candle, which will be the shepherd's candle, because the Bible said that when they heard the angels, they got they were filled with exceeding great joy, and they said to one another, let us go and see this thing that has been told to us. And so we'll talk about the shepherd's candle. Then we'll talk about the 
peace of God. And then you see there's a white one in the center because the center, the white one represents the purity or the life in Christ. Can I tell you, as long as Jesus sees the center of it all, you'll have hope, you'll have joy, you'll have peace, you'll have love, and you'll have faith. But you can't have them unless Jesus is at the center of them all. Jesus has to stay the center of it all. So today we talk about this prophet's candle. So with the help of the Holy Spirit, I want to quickly go through. Hope has come. You say, well, what is hope? Well, you see, I have it spelled with periods in between each letter. So if you're a note taker, you can go ahead and write hope in your outline in H-O-P-E because the four points today are going to spell the letter hope. So that when you leave here, you can know what hope really is all about. Can I tell you the letter H, what it stands for for me, what the Lord spoke to me, and I want to share with you, I want to tell you why hope has come, because the Bible said he's my helper. And when I don't have anybody else, I can't understand why the checkbook's not balancing. I can't understand why the marriage is falling apart. I can't understand why the children are a few french fries short of a full happy meal. I can't understand why my boss is is not the sharpest knife in the drawer. I don't understand why my world is going through hell or high water. But the Bible said because Jesus came, he provided me a help. I've got an advocate with the Father because Jesus came. And because he left, he sent me a help called the paraclete called the Holy Spirit of God I am thankful that God sent me when I was still in my trespasses and sin God in his rich and mercy sent Jesus Christ his son to die on a cross so that I had help to find my way back to him he became my helper the book of Isaiah the first five chapters of the book of Isaiah deal with the present times of Israel during that time period during the Isaiah's time period it was during that present time but chapter 7 through chapter 39 which is where both of our scriptures came through chapter 7 and chapter 9 it focused on Israel trusting God even in the middle of adversity I don't think I have to preach very long to tell you that we in the United States are living in seasons of adversity we're not living in the glory days we're living in travail days but the Bible said in the last days we know God is coming because the earth will travail like a woman in labor and moan can I tell you the earth is moaning the earth is groaning and I'm telling you that's when the Bible said look up for your Redemption draweth nigh. This is the time the church should celebrate Christmas because we may be getting ready to leave this place here soon. We're going to get out of here. The Messiah was prophesied and he was foretold. King Ahaz of Judah was in the middle of a war with Damascus and Israel, which is known as Syria and Ephraim. Isaiah was sent to give this king a message of hope. Ahaz said, I'm not going to tempt the Lord. You can go back and read it. The Bible tells him to ask a question. What is the sign? What do you want us to do? Isaiah said in Isaiah 7, verse 10 and 11, Moreover, the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign of yourself from the Lord your God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. What God is saying, just tell me what you want to prove to you I'm with you. And Ahaz said, verse 12, I will not ask, nor will I test 
the Lord. I'm not telling you you can't ask God questions from time to time because David had lots of questions for God. And I'm not going to tell you there aren't times you have to be like Gideon and put the fleece out and test the waters. But I'm telling you when all seems to be said and done, whether you ask the question or whether you test the Lord, you just need to know my help cometh from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I may not always understand it. Many are a crease that trouble me and many are they that rise up against me. But it doesn't matter where to look up until the hills from which cometh my help my help cometh from the Lord I have the Lord on my side and if God be for me who will be against me he asked for hope this passage reveals that God is for us the condition was that God would help Ahaz if Ahaz trusted the Lord so can I tell you the condition was that help only comes if I trust the Lord for the help. See, many people ask the Lord for help, but then they try to be God and take matters into their own hands rather than letting God handle the situation and them stepping out of the situation. You can't ask God to fix it or help you if you're going to take over it. He's not playing second fiddle and he's not sitting in second chair. He's either sitting in first chair or he ain't sitting in no chair. The reality of it is, if one is not firm in their faith, they'll not have a firm life. If you don't have a firm faith, you won't have a liberated life. God is for us. We don't have to fear condemnation. For there is no condemnation that is in them that's in Christ Jesus. Romans 8 and 1. If God is for us, we don't have to fear circumstances. For God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love Him. Romans 8 and 28. If God is for us, we don't have to fear conflict. For if God is for us, who can stand against us? Romans 8 and 31. If God is for us, we don't have to fear separation. For nothing can separate me from the love of God. Romans 8, 35 and 39. I don't have to worry. I don't have to fret. If God be for me, there's nothing the devil can do against me. Diedrich Bonhoeffer once said this. The celebration of Advent is made possible to those who are troubled in spirit and who know themselves to be poor and imperfect people and who look forward to something greater that is to come. That's what Advent's all about, realizing we're nothing without the Lord, but something better is on the horizon. So the first letter, the letter H, stands for the Jesus, the hope that has come. He's come to give us help. The letter O stands for the word omnipotence. Omnipotence. That word is a real big fancy word. Once you know the meaning of it, it takes on a whole new light. And some folks may say, Pastor, I've not been in church my whole life. I don't know what the word omnipotence means. Well, let me just tell you, the word omnipotence means all-powerful. <laughs> Which tells me when hope came, not only did he come to be my helper, but I don't even have a weak helper. I got the best of the best. I got somebody that nobody else can beat. He's never lost a battle. He's never lost the war. And the devil might come along our, our lifetime and he, the devil might try to make us think that God's not for us and God's not on our side. But can I just tell you this morning, if God has ever given me a word for the people of God, let me tell you the devil might make you think you're losing the battle. But you just remind him the end of the book says we win the war. I may lose from time to time some battles with the devil. I may sin. I may fall. I may have certain circumstances that cause me to trip up. But the end of the book says that I'm going to be a winner 
with the Lord because we'll be blood washed. The Bible said we are overcomer by the word of the, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. The only way you get a testimony is if you have a test. And the only way you experience a test is if you go through difficult places. Sometimes you fail tests. Sometimes you don't make a good grade. But the Bible didn't say you're going to have to fail the grade. The Bible said, I win in the end. God is all-powerful in all we need. The king of Israel said they were going to take over. Ahaz, the king of Judah, was afraid. He felt the pressures of being oppressed. Many people today, they may not be depressed, even though psychologists and counselors may label it as that, but most people, I won't say most, a lot of people, they're not depressed. That's just a nice fancy word for psychologists and counselors to prescribe them medicines and things like that. There's a lot of people that are walking around with depressed laid on them, but that's not. They're actually oppressed. It has nothing to do with oppression, depression. It has to do their that way because they allow the enemy to keep nagging at them and oppress them and knock them down. Listen, I'm not saying people don't need to go to doctors and get medicine, but sometimes I think we're so quick to depend on a man than we are to depend on the hand of God. And sometimes we're quick to run to the psychologist and run to the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the wonderful counselor. There's not a counselor. Look, I've got a master's degree in counseling. There's not anything I can tell you about behavioral modification, a 12-step programs, the hippocampus, the thalamus, and all the dendrites and endrites that are going on in your brain. But I can tell you I know the person that put every dendrite and every neuron in your brain. I may not be able to give you all the answers, but I'm telling you I serve a God that knows more to tell you than I'll ever tell you in a one-hour session. It doesn't matter how much good your insurance is and how much medicine you need. There's one who knows when he formed and fastened you in his in your mother's womb. The Bible said he knew you. He knows more about you than anybody else knows about you. He's omnipotent. He's all powerful. Oppression. Oppression means it is a cruel or an unjust treatment of control. The state of being treated unfairly or unruly. Mental pressures. Today we are living in a society that is constant has the constant narrative of folks feeling oppressed, oppressed in their sexuality, oppressed in their race and ethnicity, oppressed trying to decide do they want to be a boy or a girl, oppressed with alternative lifestyle choices. This world is feeling the pressures of the enemy. But my Bible tells me God's going to have a people when this all wraps up. And the Bible tells me that no matter how bad it gets, God's only going to let it get so far because He's going to have a remnant when this is said and done. He's the God of all power. Where it tells us in Ephesians 3 and 20, God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly. Above, not, not average, not mediocre, not me mediocrity. He's able to do exceedingly. Ephesians 3 and 20 says, and abundantly, above what I can think. Now I don't know about y'all, but I got a pretty vivid imagination. I know none of y'all know that because I'm very chill and calm and cool. And all of you that were at the parade last night, you know me. I'm very docile. I'm shy. I'm bashful. I do not like people. I sit very silently on the sidelines, you know. The only reason I'm able to do what I do is I drink six Red Bulls before I come up here, energy drinks, and then I go home and I sit in a fetal position and think, what am I doing with my life? I know you don't think I have a flamboyant personality, but I do sometimes in my moments of thinking, 
have some pretty crazy thoughts. You know, I'm talking like, I'm thinking like, how cool would it be to have a water slide off the top of the children's church building and slide down that? And then I think about insurance and I'll be sued. But it sounded cool at first. You know? The reality of it is, there's some great ideas. I'm pretty creative. But the Bible says that when it comes to spiritual matters, God can do exceedingly and abundantly above what I can think. And if my imagination is pretty crazy, that means God can do some pretty crazy things bigger and better than I can think of. If I think, oh, God, this would be great, or God, God can do above my thought processes. Now, for some of y'all, that might not be as hard because your creative thinking is maybe not as big as others, and that's okay. But it, the Bible doesn't just say for you. It's open to anybody. My God can do exceedingly abundantly above that which comprehend, which means if I read the Bible and I'm pretty creative in thinking, then that means God is even higher than the creativity that I have. You know who gave me creativity? God. So who better to know how to be creative than the one who made me creative? You don't think God's a creative God? I mean, you go look at birds and trees, various flowers, animals, go people. I wasn't going to go there. Most of them are in here. But there's some variations of that too. Churches and zoos can be a lot alike. There's just a lot of stuff that goes on. Sometimes a pastor is a zookeeper, not a pastor. But the reality of it is, God said he can do above what I can comprehend. Think. So God, hope has come. The letter H, he's my helper. The letter O, he's all powerful. He's omnipotent. Letter P tells me that God will always fulfill his promise. If God said it, whether you see it in this lifetime or not, if God said it, he'll do it. Notice what we read in Isaiah 7 and Isaiah 9. He said, the Lord, here be your sign. The virgin shall conceive and bear forth and bring a son. Ahaz never saw Jesus born. Isaiah told Ahaz, here's the sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel. Ahaz never saw it. He only lived on the promise. Never saw the promise come to life. He just lived on the promise. But some years, a couple hundred years later, there was a virgin that conceived, brought forth a son. God fulfilled his promise. In Isaiah 9, he talks about that there would be a wonderful counselor, mighty God, a prince of peace. The, the, the government will be upon his shoulders. Everything, there will be one that would come and help the world. And the last line that I read to you said, and the Lord himself will perform it. Isaiah never saw the Messiah come to perform it. He just lived on the promise. But God made the promise come to life. If God told you he'll save your children, you may die. But if God promised it, He'll do it. You may not understand. You say, well, Pastor, I've been holding on to a promise my, for, for 30 years. Well, honey, don't let it go. You're so much closer to it than you were 30 years ago. Don't let it go now. If you've held on to it for 30 years, don't get discouraged. Look at it as I'm a lot closer to it than I was 30 years ago when it started. Because if God said it, he'll do it. He's a God of promises. Emmanuel, God with us. Israel felt alone and hopeless, desperate, and God gave them hope. The revelation given by Isaiah still reminds us today, just like Israel, God is with us no matter what we're going through. The word Emmanuel means God is with us. 
That means when you sang this morning, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, what you sang is, oh, God, come, oh, come, be with us. Come, let's stay with us. Make residence with us. You sang this morning, God, be with us. What a beautiful thought. God, the creator of all things, wants to be with us. With us. See, no matter what we're going through, he's there. The promise of the glorious light. The promise of glorious increase in joy. The promise of glorious liberty and enlargement of freedom and kingdom was all prophesied and he came to fulfill it. The hope of Christmas lies within the one called the promised one, the Messiah. The same God who foretold of the promised Messiah and brought it to pass in the fullness of time is the same God that will make good on the promises he's given you in your heart and life. But if you'll give me about three more minutes, I'm going to finish this. Here's the best. It is amazing. God is my helper. And it is a wonderful thought to know that God is all-powerful. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. It's wonderful to know that God is a God of fulfilling promises. But if you're like me, you like Christmas because you want gifts. <laughs> Look, I'm not partial. I don't need a Christmas gift, but if you want to buy one, I'll take it. The reality of it is we all like gifts. We like having people think about us or make us feel like we're thought of or loved. If you don't believe it, guys, go randomly this week, buy your wife a gift of anything. Just something nice that she's been wanting. Take it home. Watch her reaction. Unless she hasn't eaten for that day, other than that, you're probably going to get a positive response. If she hasn't eaten, give it to her after she eats. Your chances of survival are better. But but do that, okay? Tyler, you should be buying gifts every day. Your wife's pregnant. You buy a gift every day, son. You want to live. You better be buying everything. You better buy every donut, Twinkie, peanut butter, and pickles. You buy it all, son. If you don't know what to buy, call me. We'll go to lunch. I'll load you up. The reality of it is, and I don't want to, I don't want to spoil, be a spoiler alert, but being a helper and being omnipotent and having a promise is great. You see, Tyler and Carmen are getting ready. They're 13 days out if baby Rowan decides to, you know, hold on to his last bit of hope and joy there in the, in, in the belly of his mom. They're 13 days out from this gift of God. Well, Tyler and Carmen are going to learn the gift of help real quick because somebody's going to need to be helping them. <laughs> They're going to be dependent on an all-powerful God <laughs> to keep them from killing each other at 2 a.m. I mean, that's going to take God. But they're carrying a promise. And you say, what do you mean? Somebody prophetically spoke over them. Mm -mm. But the Bible said, children are a gift of God. Blessed is the man that has a quiver full of them. That's a promise of God. Now, I'm going to get in trouble when I do this. Tyler, Carmen, will you come help me just for a second? I'm going to make you both come because Carmen won't come by herself. So, Tyler, you're going to have to bring her to me. I'm not going to bet. You don't have to preach. Now, I'm, next Sunday, Brother Shane's preaching. He just doesn't know it yet. So glad to see you. I had that vision. God had a vision said, next Sunday you had a word, and I'm just going to go ahead and let you preach next week. Now, I want you to stand over here. You, you look all festive and bundle of joy. No, you blow it in front of them. I want to see the bowling ball. They want to see the ball. Baby bowling ball. Just stand right there. Just right there. See, in, three, in, in 13 or so days, we expect a baby. But a couple 
you know, a few months back when we had gender reveals and we had other things, what we actually were doing is we were expecting something. We were expecting a baby. When they came into the house to see Miss Susie to tell her the news, they come walking in and she's like, hey, how's it going, guys? And they come like, hey, we want to let you know. If they didn't use the word, hey, we're pregnant, you know what word they said? We are expecting. We're expecting. Everybody knows what somebody walks in and says, oh, we're expecting. Most people aren't thinking taxes. (laughs) Even though the IRS expects that, (laughs) that's not what they're thinking. They're thinking babies. So I'm going to tell you over 2,000-ish plus years ago, the world was expecting some guy to come in there and just overthrow all of Rome. The least thing they expected was a baby. They expected a warrior, a king, a military general. And what they got and didn't even realize it right under their nose, right in the same town. They didn't realize what they were looking for, what they were expecting was there. They just missed him because he came like a baby. You know why I think Jesus came like a baby? Because he wanted to be all things to all people. He didn't want to come. He wanted everybody to be accessible to him. You can heart, I don't know anybody that just can't love a baby. They, they don't love them when they're two, but they love them when they're a baby. <laughs> after, about, after about six months or so, they're like, oh, don't you want to go back to your mom? <laughs> when they're first born, everybody is like, can I hold your baby? Can I hold your baby? They love babies. See, can I tell you that this Christmas season, and he may not come as a baby to your heart and life now, but he is still as meek and mild as he was the day he was born as a baby. And the whole world stood there expecting this great leader. Can I tell you, there's many people that walk day in and day out to church. They're expecting something. They don't even know what they're looking for. They're just there looking for something. Most people leave church not finding what they're looking for, but what they're looking for has been there all along. They just were looking for him in all the wrong places. People walk into church ready to have some shouting and running the aisle service. They're ready to have somebody be able to pay the light bill. They came to church expecting somebody to pray that they get a job promotion. They're, They're expecting this, expecting that, expecting the other. And what they don't realize is there is still the meekness and mile of a manger babe. Though he is a king, that's in the service with them that morning, and he wants to do more than just pay Berkeley Electric Co-op. He wants to change your life. He wants to do so much more than just get you a quick get-over fix. He wants to make residency with you for the rest of your life. Thank you, guys. I'm not going to make you stand there because you're not going to come back to church again now. (laughs) Thank you for the six months you've granted us. Um, But the reality of it is, in a couple of days... Carmen delivers that baby. There's not an expectancy anymore because she's not pregnant anymore. That which she's carrying has now come to life. Don't forget what I read or we read together. This will be a sign. For a virgin will conceive and bring forth a son. You will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. And the Lord will perform this. When Mary had baby Jesus, she was no longer expecting. Because that which, that which she was expecting now had come life or it comes to pass in some translations. See this year at Christmas you may be expecting a new car, a new house, a new job, 
new kids because you don't like the ones you got. <laughs> Maybe you're going to do like an exchange program. I'll take your kid if you'll take my kid this year for Christmas. Most people don't realize what they really should be expecting is the triumphal return of a king. They should be looking for Jesus. That's what it's all about. He's a, you see, listen to the descriptions we read. He was a one, he's wonderful. That means he lacks nothing. He's a counselor for the hurting. He's mighty, limited by no one. He's the everlasting father. Nothing can separate him from his children. He is the prince of peace. Nothing rattles him. Nothing derails him. Nothing makes God unstable. He is king, and his kingdom shall have no end. That means he can't be overthrown. He is the hope of Christmas. He's the heavenly gift. The wonder of wonders is still the reason. Miss Carol, as you make your way. There's a story of a pastor who was preparing for his sermon when his son came into the room and says, Dad, you want to come outside and play with me? The father responded, Son, I need to finish working on my sermon. If you give me about an hour, I will play with you. A little dejected, but understanding the son bowed his head and said, Okay, Dad. But when you finish, I'm going to give you a big hug. And as the son began to leave his father's office, he turned back, ran toward his father, and he gave him a hug right then. The father said, I thought you said you were going to give me a hug when I was finished. The son replied, Dad, I just wanted you to know what you have to look forward to when you get done. Can I tell you today, God sent us Jesus. And Jesus left to go back to heaven. But he sent us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit wants to say to your life today, but I thought Jesus already came. He did. But he came so that we can have the hope of knowing what to look forward to when he comes back. Jesus came and he changed the world. But can I tell you when he comes back, he's going to change everything we've ever known. We have something to look forward to. So in conclusion, I want to say to you today, I don't know about you, but Christmas time creates a season of anticipation for people like me. I can't wait to open up Christmas gifts. I get all excited, don't sleep the night before. I'm peeking with one eye open, Santa, to see if he's going to come eat my cookies and drink my milk. I'm excited for him. Every year I seem to always miss the little fat man in a red suit coming to eat my cookies, but something is eating my cookies in the house. But I'm always looking with excitement and wonder for his arrival. Many times when I was a kid, I'd try to peek in my gifts early by like tearing the corner on the underside of the wrapping and peek and see if I could read what the box at least said and then try to retape it so my mama didn't figure it out because I wanted to know. I was excited. If you ask my wife, she'd tell you I haven't changed. I'm always nosy looking for something in the house. She has to send gifts to her parents' house or to people I don't even know because I'm trying to look for them. It's the truth. Can I tell you that Advent is the season and opportunity for the church to remember and reflect on what Christmas is all about. The prophet's candle before you today represents God's forgiveness of man's sin. It represents the expectation felt in the coming of the Messiah again. 
It represents that we still can reflect upon the anticipation that the Messiah's first coming happened, but we can look forward to the expectant arrival of His second coming. So I want to tell you this today. Hope has come, and hope has a name, and His name is Jesus. If you've heard nothing else I said, I want you to remember these last two things. Hope has come, and he has a name. His name is Jesus. You could have not heard anything else I said today if you remember those few things right there. Hope has come, and has a name, and that name is Jesus. You this year will excel. You this year will experience the wonder of Christmas. Because hope has come and it has a name and his name is Jesus. As you bow your head and close your eyes to all our online guests, we love you. We're so glad you were with us. God bless you today is our prayer. To this body of believers, time 